I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. I'm Ryan Bonaparte. We're here today, going to be talking about some Purdue basketball, including uh, Xavier's, a recap of the Xavier game, looking ahead to Maui, as well as some big recruiting news that happened just today, uh, probably about six hours ago, but at the time of recording. Look forward to Purdue's game against Northwestern on the road in Evan for you it's kind of holiday related um it, it should be an easy answer okay i'm you get two choices in this one all right uh okay. first i guess i should ask do you like pumpkin pie yes okay you do like pumpkin pie so when you're, oh, yeah, for when sure. you're getting a slice of pumpkin pie and you got choices and do you prefer cool whip or ready whip which are you grabbing if you got both in front uh hitting me with these hard choices yeah i I prefer Ready Whip. That's fair. I would rather have the can of whipped cream than the Cool Whip. Now, both are still an excellent choice, but I think for simplicity's sake, just get the Ready Whip and go. I mean, I don't I don't think there's a bad decision, a bad choice here. And I know mm-hmm. like Ready Whip is actually real whipped cream. It's like the actual thing. And mm-hmm. whereas Cool Whip is just like for you in the long run i mean more terrible for you it's still whip you know it's whipped cream not exactly great for you but there's just something about cool whip 
that is different than every other thing, and I just love it so much that if I have the choice, I'm probably taking the Cool Whip. But I thought of that today just because I I got a free pumpkin pie from the grocery store, and I was like, oh. do I want to grab Cool Whip or do I want to grab Ready Whip? And I went with the Cool Whip, and honestly, it was a very good choice. Quite delicious. Yeah, if you're posting it on Instagram, you got to go with the Ready Whip. I think it just looks prettier. It does look much better, yeah. I mean, it's way more photogenic, for sure, because you can kind of get, like, the ripples in it, you know? Whereas if I'm if I'm doing Cool Whip, I'm basically just putting a spoon in it and, like, plopping it down. It doesn't look near as good. Wait, yep. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you got to do it for the gram, and so that matters. So, bold choice. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your honesty. Yep, absolutely. Now! We got a lot of basketball stuff to talk about. So today huh. at about 2 or 2.30-ish, uh, Purdue signed a sixth recruit uh, for next year's recruiting class. And it is a name you might recognize with a Purdue lineage you might recognize. Uh, it was none other than Jakari Harris, uh, who is the son of Glenn Big Dog Robinson. Uh, so he is going to be coming to play basketball at Purdue. And... Like I said, six people in this class. Um, Ryan, I, I believe you've got a list pulled up in front of you uh, with everybody in this class. But if not, um, I will go down the names and we'll just kind of let people know how outrageous this class is. So I'm going to go over the names real quick um, and then I'll let you jump in after that. Does that sound good? Yes, it does. All right, we've got Jakari Harris, uh, 6'3", 170, uh four-star, and these are all um, via Boiler Upload um, and Rivals, their rankings that I'm looking at. Uh, 86th nationally. There is C.J. Cox, 6'2", 175. He's a three-star, um, no national ranking on him. There's Daniel Jacobson, a 7'2", 235-pound center. He is a three-star, again, no national ranking on him. We've got Jack Benter, 6'5", 180, three-star, no national ranking on him. Then we've got Raleigh Burgess. He is 6'10", 230 pounds, four stars, and he is ranked 89th nationally on rivals. Then we've got Kenon Catchings, 6'6", 170, four star, 32nd ranked nationally. And, I mean, that is, like I said, six players, just an outrageously big class. Um, We're going to focus on that question in a moment. But, Ryan, I mean, what does this class bring other than sheer numbers um, that, according to Boiler Upload and the Rivals Network, is the seventh-ranked class in the nation. Yeah, I mean, I, it brings its own lineup, right? Right, yeah, and <laughs> one off the bench. Yeah, so um, we were talking all season about a logjam, and now Matt Painter is going to bring in six new guys. Like, clearly some of these guys are going to have to redshirt, but this is just so many players and so much talent coming in. Um, the two really that jump off the page are Catchings and uh, Harris. Those two guys are um, top class uh, type guys. You know, top 100 recruits. Yeah, they're the but, they're the headliners for sure. Yeah. That being said, you know you can't discount what Matt Painter can do with these players. I mean, Zach Eady was barely a 300. Uh, national level recruit and look where he is now and daniel jacobson's pretty tall just saying yeah having another seven footer continue the purdue streak and not just seven foot he's seven two seven three so like 
you know, we, we don't mess around when it comes to our tall guys. That's right. So, um, just this class looks insane to me. I don't, I don't think there's been really a recruiting class that has, I'm going to say, so much well-rounded and so strengthened numbers under Matt Painter. I mean, yes, he had the Bailey, er, baby boilers, and, you know, obviously that was a three-headed monster, but this is just every one of these guys brings to the table something new and um, something that can contribute. Just that's so unprecedented for Matt Painter for such a large recruit, especially in the transfer era portal. Yeah. Or transfer portal era. Like, that's unheard of. And yeah. Matt Painter's doing it. I don't know if we're going to have a transfer um, in the next three years just by the number of guys we have. Yeah. I think you made a couple of good points there that I want to emphasize. One, this is such a large class, which is unusual in this era of the transfer portal. I, I do wonder if a lot of coaches are going to not sign as many high school recruits just because you know you're always going to need a little flexibility, a little avail availability in your scholarship situation in case somebody is transferring, which someone is always transferring. Um, so do you need to leave one open at all times just to kind of bring someone in each year because there will be opportunities or do you continue to just focus on high school recruits and you know hope that you can develop them I mean I, I don't know the answer to that but I don't get paid a few million dollars a year um, and the second thing that you mentioned that I think is worth emphasizing is that this class is well-rounded um, there's mm -hmm. just a little bit of everything there are, are guards who can ha play with the ball in their hands, guards who can play without the ball in their hands. We've got um, a very big six foot ten guy who, you know, likely would be a forward at Purdue, but in a pinch, I would bet we'd be able to throw him at the center position. Um, so he's going to be a four or a five. I mean, he's listed as a power forward, uh, 230 pounds, but we'll see. Um, Painter has a tendency to, you know, want to – to be able to change things up and play a guy who's a little bit shorter than seven foot uh, at the center position, and perhaps Raleigh Burgess will be that guy. And then, again, Purdue has got yet another seven-footer uh, coming to town in um, Daniel Jacobson, 7'2", 235. And I just, it reminds me so much of the tweet, and I, I'm, I cannot uh, properly uh, credit it, but somebody said uh, a few years back, the way Matt Painter recruits is he goes around into small towns or all over the world and asks people if they've heard pray tell of a giant and asks where they know him. Um, and then that's how he continuously finds the seven footers. So whatever he's doing, I mean, he keeps finding these people and they keep working out pretty darn well. So, I mean, just, just what an outrageous class, uh, seventh overall, like I said, according to rivals, that was noted in a, in a story over at Boiler Upload today after the Jakari Harris signing. So, I, I mean, you and I don't follow recruiting religiously, and we don't watch a ton of tape on these high schoolers, but um, mm -hmm. what we do know is that a, a team is only allowed to have 13 scholarship players, and mm -hmm. Purdue, as of this recording, does not have six open scholarships for next year. So... Mm -hmm. Not entirely sure how this works because if if my understanding is correct, Purdue will have uh, next year 
Mason Gillis will graduate, Ethan Morton will graduate, and Zach Eady will graduate. That is three. Now, technically, those three could use a COVID year. I don't see that as likely uh, with any (laughs) of those guys. But it's theoretically possible, so I wanted to at least mention it. Purdue also loses Lance Jones because he only Mm -hmm. has one year of eligibility. That is four people right there. Purdue is signing Mm -hmm. six. That means between now and when these folks enroll, two people have got to be gone. Or else somebody goes to prep school or or some some way of working this out. And I don't want to speculate on who would be leaving the team. I don't think that's fair to anyone involved, and I don't want to play that game. But just from a simple numbers perspective, if no one leaves, Purdue would have 15 players on scholarship, which is not allowed and is too over the limit. So something has got to give. Yeah, and I kind of wondered this when you were mentioning leaving a spot open for a transfer. You almost wonder if Matt Painter recruits enough guys knowing that someone else in this recruiting class is going to decommit. It's almost the inverse of that, um, leaving a spot open for a transfer. You're kind of going in like, okay, I've signed six. One of these guys is bound to see I'm not going to get these kind of minutes, so I'm going to back out. I'm not saying they will, but it might be um, it might be what Matt Panner is kind of striving for. Yeah, kind of, well, I'm the problem striving. The problem with that is, I mean, I agree with you if he's just going through the process and recruiting and they're getting verbals. But, I mean, these guys have now signed letters of intent. I mean, this today, no, the 15th, is the last day of the early signing period. And from my understanding, um, now I have not seen an official word that Harris has signed. Um, but there's a reason he waited till the last day. So I would imagine he will be officially signed today. Um, and once those national letters of intent have been signed, they're bound to those. Um, they can technically be released um, through various machinations, but I believe these guys are, are set on coming here now. So it's up to Painter and staff and, and the rest of the team to figure out where those two scholarships come from. Somebody asked on Twitter um, on the first day of National Signing Day, you know, how does this work if Purdue does get um, Harris? And kind of my answer was the same thing that I'll say now is, you know, that is a future Purdue problem. Right now, Matt Painter is just trying to get the best players he can to come to Purdue. And if he does that, he'll figure things out in the future. But right now, Matt Painter's concern is getting the best players available. I agree. Um, And he definitely did go out and get top-notch talent. So we can't discount what he's doing. Like, like you said, I don't envy these coaches for now having to deal with this. Um, it's all part of their job, and I um, don't think I would want to do that personally. But, hey, someone else is paid more to do that, and his name is Matt. So, yeah, um, I think the best players will come in and still play and get a shot i think that's guaranteed which is fantastic now logistics will deal with as you said deal with that later yeah yeah so i mean just to to put a cap on it very exciting group of group of young men coming to purdue next year 
uh, six recruits. The numbers are going to shake out how they shake out. Um, I, I trust Painter to figure that out, but man, um, what a great job by Painter and staff to get such a class to come to Purdue. One of the very best, um, you know, in not if not Purdue history, um, at least in the Matt Painter era. So something to really look forward to as next year comes around. But Enough about next year. Let's focus on this year. Purdue was the winner over Xavier on Monday night, 83-71, to 12-point victory. Uh, not exactly as overwhelming you know, as the previous two games, but Xavier obviously a much better team than the prior opponents for Purdue. It wasn't a game where Purdue really put anybody away, but they also really didn't allow Xavier to... to have much hope that they were going to win the game. They kept them at arm's length, but just couldn't fully pull away. Purdue went into halftime up by eight, and then, of course, like I said, wound up winning by 12. So outscored Xavier in both halves, and it, it was kind of a, a business-like performance, a workman-like performance um, from from the Purdue basketball folks here. Uh, obviously, standout, Zach Eady, 28-11, and 11, 10, and 11, 10 for 11 at the free throw line. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well with 9 of 17, but anytime you can get 28 points and 11 boards, you've probably had yourself a pretty good day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this was a quiet 28 points. Yeah, it really was. Um, I I do not think coming out of this game that I expected him to be close to 30 points. I would have probably put him at like 18, um, and... A lot of this came in the second half. He just got going and just became the safety valve that Purdue knows and loves. Um, so there were some problems with his shooting in this game. I mean, he had some jump hooks that normally he does not miss, and he just was short with them. Um, but he's not in midseason form yet. That's honestly not a big deal in my mind yeah mine either um, especially when you're hitting 10 of 11 of your free throws like Zach Eady's fine he knows what he has to do he turned the ball over twice which pretty much average for him um it it was quiet but it was also very effective throughout the game yeah so I think he drew a lot of attention towards the beginning as well which kind of got some of his teammates going and that was more or less the um, game plan in the first half or at least what Purdue adapted to was hey Zach's not going to get the ball he's not going to shoot that much um, let's go elsewhere and it kind of got some of his teammates going a little bit more but in the second half he just took off and obviously amassed a very well game put together. Yeah, and I mean, even when Edie is not putting the ball in the basket, he is such an important player on the offensive end because he does draw such pressure and he does draw so much attention that it makes everyone's job easier when they are out on the floor with Edie. Um, you can see it when he comes off the floor, teams just defend Purdue differently. And it's... You cannot say enough about the way that guy plays and how much he means to Purdue. So looking at the rest of the team, I want to point out uh, Miles Colvin continues to play great coming off the bench. Just 11 minutes in this one, but he went 3-for-3 three three 
uh, from deep for nine points, and he is now shooting an astonishing 70% from three-point land. Granted, small sample size, but he's 7 of 10 on the year, and he continues to look just incredibly fast, incredibly athletic, and has a a great-looking shot from distance, and he is going to cause problems uh, for Matt Painter because he's going to continue, I think, to justify playing more and more minutes, and the question is, whose minutes does he take? Yeah, um, and he really is the kind of player right now that in limited minutes, in 11 minutes, he's coming in and he is the spark plug. Um, it's great, and I think coming into the season, we know he, you know he's a freshman. He's got to work on his defense. He's got to get uh, up to speed on defense and kind of be less lackadaisical, I think, was the criticism of Colvin on defense. I'm seeing him be very locked in on defense. Yes, he's got, you know, he still has to make up a step every once in a while just on these uh, high ball screens, getting around the screen. But he looks locked in and ready to go. And, you know, you can say for only 11 minutes, he better be locked in for those limited minutes. But, you know, you can't fault him for being the best when he gets minutes, he is absolutely doing his best, and it is showing. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to your locked-in point, sometimes it's harder for play- players to get locked in when they're only getting 10 minutes, 11 minutes, because mm-hmm. by the time you're getting comfortable out there, you're getting yanked. You know, you might only play three three-minute segments, and that can be a mm-hmm. lot harder to find your rhythm and find your groove versus someone like Zach Eady, who's out there for 33 minutes of the game. Uh, because if, if, if Edie isn't comfortable right away, he's going to get more chances. He's going to stay in the game. Whereas a guy like Colvin, who only gets 11 minutes, or Heidi, who got 10 and also played a great game, uh, if, if those guys aren't humming in three minutes, they're going to get pulled because that's just how these rotations work when you're on uh, the end of the bench. And that is not because those guys aren't talented. It's because they're new. It's because they're freshmen. It's because of a logjam of talent that Purdue has on this team. Yeah, and I think the epitome of Miles Colvin so far this year is the last play of the first half in this game. Yeah. It was literally, hey, we're going to fire you a pass in the corner. Literally be ready for it and shoot the ball. And he made it. So um, it's Miles Colvin has done that this year. It's, hey, when your name is called, you are going to come out there and. Um, he's going 110 miles an hour when he's on the court and that you cannot discount that at all, the effort he's giving. Um, and you almost say you're lucky to have it because as you said, that doesn't happen for everyone, but Miles Colvin is doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, shooting wise, Purdue looked really good over 50% from the field over 46% from three. They were much you know, they were taking threes in rhythm. They were taking good shots. The only exception, um, I would say, would be a couple from Lance Jones, who, if you listen to the post-game press conference, Matt Painter said he was taking those shots from Crawfordsville, uh, which, if, mm-hmm. if you don't know, is far away from Mackey Arena. So uh, I think <laughs> that just that just shows you Painter loves this guy. It seems like getting him 30 minutes a game in the starting lineup but would maybe like him to scale those uh, those deep threes back. And I think we can all agree that is a smart choice uh, by Coach Matt Painter. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lance Jones took three, and one of which was at the very end of a shot clock. So I I think Lance Jones is starting to figure that out. Kind of when Matt Painter puts his hands on his hips, you know <laughs> that he's not the most satisfied yeah. man in the world. Yeah. So um, he, he's definitely figuring that out. And you know what? This is your, you know, you've only been with this coach for a couple months. You've only played two games under this coach or three games. Um, so you're going to figure out what he enjoys, what he wants out of you and how to do it while also figuring out, Hey, I know what kind of skill set I have. I'm going to go out and make these shots too. So it's a good balancing act, but Lance Jones is getting there. Yeah. Um, there were two other guys I wanted to really highlight okay. in this game and they're the, they're the dynamic duo that, uh, the sophomore duo, Braden Smith with his pull-up jumper off a high ball screen. He that is that is that has been a really great addition to his game. Yeah, he seemingly made that shot four or five times, and it was just smooth as silk. If he can consistently make that shot, I think very good things are going to happen to this team. Um, it seemed like whenever he had that shot hit too, it was during. I don't want to say a run, but like a little bit of momentum on your side. And Brandon Smith just kind of fired that off and absolutely nailed it. And the other guy, Fletcher Lawyer, I think it's really important to realize Fletcher Lawyer is doing whatever he can to contribute, even though his three-point shot is not always uh, falling. Yeah, He is definitely driving the lane more, it seems like. He's also taking some mid-range jumpers that are starting to go down for mm-hmm. him. It's just like his stroke is fine, but he's just missing these deep shots, but he's still finding a way to contribute to the team, which is encouraging. Yeah, and I mean, he he is a stat stuffer. Um, as you said, he, he was only one of four from three, but if you look at the rest of the box score, he had four rebounds. He had three assists, two steals, no turnovers in 26 minutes. Mm-hmm. And obviously we would love it if that shot would come back a little more, if he'd be hitting, you know, even just one more of those threes for two of four. I mean, that would be great. It, it would make the numbers look better. I think it would make a lot of people feel better. But the fact is he is doing everything else on the court. And um, I, I do believe the shot will come back. Um, he's too good of a shooter for it to go away. Uh, completely, I I have faith he's gonna gonna get that back. But even if he doesn't, he does enough other things that it justifies him continuing to play big big minutes. So there's one question I wanted to ask you um, about this season so far before we look ahead to Maui. Um, of the uh-huh. three newcomers, so that's Colvin, Heidi, and Jones. Who has impressed you the most? Uh. I think I have to go with Miles Colvin just because he has looked so impressive in such limited minutes, but Lance Jones on defense and just the energy he's bringing to push the pace, I think might have the biggest effect on the team. So I think that's fair. I'm most impressed with Colvin, but you know, yeah, I think Jones has the biggest effect on the team. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, it's interesting you say those two because I was going to say Camden Heidi. He's impressed me the most, but maybe that's my fault because I just didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. from him 
after so long between his last basketball game, redshirting last year, injured his senior year in high school. I didn't really know what my expectations were for him. So the way he's played has really surprised me. But again, maybe that's my fault for not knowing really what Purdue was getting after such a long uh, time off. Yeah, and I mean, you can't say that that alley-oop to Camden Heidi wasn't impressive. That was very beautiful. Um, Lance Jones on the other end of that one. Yeah, I I don't think it's fair to say that Camden Heidi hasn't impressed. He obviously has, but it's just these three newcomers are doing a fantastic job in the early season of showcasing why they came to Purdue for Heidi, why he took a red shirt, and you know, what they can do to help this squad. And if all all three continue to contribute like they have, Purdue is going to be all that much better. That's right. That's right. So Purdue next in action next week in the Maui Invitational. Um, And it's, by the way, it's not the Maui Gym Invitational anymore. They changed their their sponsor. So now it's the Allstate Maui Invitational. Um, If you're into that sort of thing, just so you know, uh, it has changed, and this was pretty recently because uh, just a few weeks back, I believe they still had Maui Gym on their website. So, uh, Purdue next game November twentieth. They play. It's how the oh Eastern time. Okay, I'm looking at the bracket. It's Eastern time in parentheses. So Purdue will play Gonzaga on ESPN two at five p.m. Eastern noon local time on November twentieth. So that is the only game we know. Um, that Purdue will play. We do not know who they will play in game two. It all depends on if Purdue wins and then who wins um, that first game between Tennessee and Syracuse. So we know it's going to be either Tennessee or Syracuse that Purdue plays in game two. But, I mean, Ryan, how excited are you for this loaded field uh, in Maui? Number one, number two, and number four are all in this in this uh, field here. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely incredible i mean you said one two and four but there's also seven yeah eleven and then um ucla is getting votes way to go um syracuse being the only team other than chaminade to get not receive votes but this this tournament is absolutely bonkers i really wish kansas had lost last night to kentucky so purdue could be number one going into the tournament yeah, that would be kind of fun. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe the ship will right itself and Purdue can get to number one after this tournament. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, it's. Oh boy. It, it feels like March and November. It, it really does. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's like late March, I should say, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just this, the, the quality of teams is, is outrageous. Yeah. And if Purdue can replicate in any way what it did last in the Phil Knight. Uh, tournament it's going to be smooth sailing but that's kind of a once in a um decade type run yeah that you know what it there's got to be a winner why not purdue that's right us that's right like the cards are not stacked in anybody's favor in this tournament no i don't know you're gonna learn a lot this is where the rubber hits the road you're going to learn what your team is and how you square up in the grand scheme of things in this tournament yeah so um if, if it's per- not the end of the world if the results aren't, aren't there yet but you're gonna find out a lot about yourself yeah yeah so if purdue wins then they go on to mm-hmm. the winner's side of the bracket 
and that would yep. be an 8 p.m. Eastern time tip-off uh, on November 21st, which then the winner, if they win that game, they would play then 5 p.m. on November 22nd, and that would be the championship game. So win, lose, or draw game one, game two, Purdue is a everybody in the tournament is guaranteed three games. Um, we just don't know who those are going to be against, other than game one, like I said, against Gonzaga. Now, if if it's chalk, so to speak, um, of this tournament, that means Purdue would play Kansas um, in the final in the championship round. Uh, that is that is obviously the best case scenario for Purdue. It is a marquee matchup. It is it would be at that point number one versus number two in an early season tournament. Mm -hmm. And the folks who put this together uh, are just salivating at that idea. And it, it it may very well be, if that is the matchup may very well be the best basketball game I've ever seen uh, in person. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It definitely is absolutely crazy to think about. And even if it's not the best case scenario, it could still be Purdue two versus Marquette four. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable to think that all of this can go down. And you look at Purdue's schedule this year, Purdue could play 11, 7, um, 1, and 3 all within a three-week span. Man. Not to mention 22 in Alabama in Canada. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's... They really made this schedule. Um, you're gonna get all of the quality opponents season. Yeah, and yeah. Like I said, it's it's almost like Purdue. You saw what happened last season, and now they're coming for blood this year. And the schedule makers, the team, are just coming to show, hey, we are the top of the top. And last year was a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. So. Last year's last game was a fluke. Right. Yeah, yeah, we got you. We got you. So, mm-hmm. if Purdue comes out of this at, on top, I don't know what stops Purdue this year. Yeah, I mean, and huge, incredible thing. Huge challenge. And one thing to remember: should Purdue get to the game against Kansas, they did add Hunter Dickinson in the off season. And uh, we here at the Boiler Alert podcast would love to beat Hunter Dickinson yet again because we find him very annoying um, as a player. So really looking forward to uh, taking him down a peg should uh, those two meet in the championship game on uh, the 22nd. So, Ryan, any final thoughts on Maui before we take a break and uh, head into Northwestern talk? What's the weather forecast? Uh, I believe it was in the low to mid-80s. Uh, last I looked, there was some rain forecast, but you know, I will take a little bit of rain if it leads me to, uh, to have great weather. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, next week highs of 82, 83 and 83 as of now. So, uh, the rain has moved out of the forecast. So, uh, looking good for me, going to be the eighties. Uh, and sunny almost every day, assuming the temperature or the weather holds as to what it's predicting right now. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I honestly can't believe I'm going. I can't believe it's happening, but uh, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So 
I'm going to enjoy the weather. I'm going to enjoy some delicious food. Maybe maybe I'll be drinking out of a coconut the next time we record. But uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and look ahead to Saturday's game against Northwestern. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So... Purdue football coming off a big win over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Now are heading mm-hmm. on the road, going to Evanston, Illinois, facing Northwestern, where they just today, just about a couple hours ago, announced that they were taking the interim tag off their head coach and making him the permanent head coach uh, You know, going forward. Now, Ryan, without looking it up, can you name the Northwestern now permanent head coach? David Braun. Okay, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Didn't think um, you'd get that, and, and I mean that's not a slight on oh, you. Yeah. That's just that he, I, I didn't, I didn't remember his name before I saw the tweet. Yeah, I mean I also saw the tweet today, so okay, uh, I but, didn't know it before. Okay, but. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Mm-hmm. So I mean he's done a very good job for what we thought was going to be a one or two win season. Yeah, he's looking at a bowl game right, yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean so. Northwestern five and five right now after going one and eleven last year, and remember they did not win a game last year on American soil. Uh, so they, you know, they've really they really turned around from last year. So maybe firing Pat Fitzgerald was the best thing to ever happen uh, to this Northwestern team this year. Because remember, mm-hmm. just like Michigan, it's them against the world. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, they come into this game. You're five and five, and my hope is that they kind of think to themselves, eh, we don't have to get it against Purdue. We can get it next week, right? Like, 
that's how procrastinators work, right? Yeah, exactly. Always waiting to the last minute. They do their best work then. Yeah. The problem is Northwestern has actually been very good at home this year. They're four and two at home with their only losses being to Penn State and Iowa. So not exactly the most encouraging thing if you're Purdue. Right. And that Iowa game um, was a typical but, Iowa game. The final score ten to yes, seven. Because Iowa. <laughs> There, what else can you say at that point? The leading yeah. passer had 81 yards. Yeah, and leading rusher had 40. Just Yeah, so I I would like to say that, you know, Northwestern being 5-5, five and five, they're, they have some semblance of an offense, but it's just really hard to read for their offense. They've had three or four quarterbacks play this season. Two main quarterbacks, Bryant and Brendan Sullivan. Um, Bryant is their day one starter, but Sullivan has come in from injuries. So those two combined have have about 1,800 yards and 14 touchdowns, but only five interceptions. So they're not really turning the ball over. Where their offense is having issues right now is protecting the quarterback. Their offensive line has allowed 41 sacks this season. Oh, my. So pair that with two leading sack, uh, the two leading sack uh, stat guys. Sack getters, I believe, is what they say. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds awkward coming out of your mouth. Yes, it does. um, Pair that with Jenkins and Scorton, and oh, boy, could they be salivating this week. I think it's because Bryant and Sullivan are not the most mobile quarterbacks. Um, Bryant on the season has negative 30 rushing yards, and Sullivan has 160 with 75 carries, so he's averaging two yards a carry. Not exactly the most prolific. So not that mobile of quarterbacks, not that great of an offensive line. Purdue's defense may have some time to shine this year. And their running backs are not really all that much either. They have almost six different players, or five or six players, who almost have 100 yards rushing, um, one of which is Brendan Sullivan, one of which is their wide receiver, A.J. Henning, who came from Michigan, I believe. He transferred. So their main running back is Cam Porter, who has less than 500 yards rushing on the season. Reminder, they've played 10 games. Yes. So he's averaging 45.4 yards a game, and he's their leading rusher. Not great. So not exactly the most prolific, but they're averaging about 100 yards a game rushing as a team. So they definitely have, like, running, running back by committee, but it's such a stark difference compared to last year where almost half of their yards was Evan Hull. And this year it's just like, hey, everyone gets a piece of the pie and we're going to make it work. Yeah. So the one thing that they're very good at is not turning the ball over. Okay. They do not turn it over. Only five times they've thrown an interception and their um, fumbles is not that many either. I'll get an exact number as well. But like if – they're going to drive the ball. They're not going to give it up. But the problem is they're not driving the ball that often either. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a double-edged sword for them there. You know, when they have the ball, they take care of it. Right. But will they 
actually sustain a drive, which has been a problem for Purdue. I mean, let's not uh, you know throw stones in our glass house here. The Purdue offense has really had two good games, maybe three if you throw Virginia Tech in. Um, that one was just wild with the, the whole delay situation. So, I mean, the game against Illinois and the game against Minnesota, Purdue looked really good on offense. But, I mean, two games out of ten, maybe, again, maybe three if you include Virginia Tech, is not exactly mm-hmm. an offense that I feel like I can trust to put together back-to-back good games. Um, you know, your point about Jenkins and Scorton is an important one because they really have been carrying the Purdue defense and keeping them in games because they are, you know, the, the number one and number two, um, sack getters in the big 10, um, they continue, um, to this week. So they've been great. And when you, when you've got an offensive line like Northwestern, that gives up a lot of sacks that makes Scorton and Jenkins even more important, um, because mm-hmm. those those sacks can be drive killers, and every drive is going to be so important for both of these teams because their offenses have been so hit or miss um, all season long. Now, as I said, Northwestern comes in at five and five, and this is a completely scientific thing, and I have no reason to doubt it will hold true this time. Northwestern has not won back to back games all season; they've alternated a loss and a win. And last week they won. They beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin, 24-10. to yeah. 10. So I have reason to believe that they're going to lose uh, to Purdue on Saturday when they play at noon. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I think it'll be a toss-up um, this week. The, the real question is, can Purdue do what they did last week again? Can they do that in back-to-back weeks? They have not proved able to do that at all this season. And... I'm, I'm hopeful they can, but this is a really like sound uh, team. They're very disciplined. Um, they've turned the ball over six times. They've only lost one fumble. Wow. Um, and they don't have that many penalties. They're only aver- they're averaging less than fifty penalty yards a game. That's pretty good. So, That's pretty good. I mean, they're really playing well for David Braun so far. You can't. You can't say enough what David Braun has done with this team because this team was left for dead at the end of the summer. Um, it's really important to realize what he's done, but it's also I th- I still think that they have a long way to go. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's true. The same can be said for Purdue, though. Exactly, I think they have a really long way to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm optimistic, but. It's it's really comes down to almost not even matter who Purdue is playing. It comes down to do I trust Purdue to replicate what they did in only two two and a half games this season? Well, I'm not sure I'm there yet. That that was gonna that was going to be my question. Um, I mean, do you trust Purdue either offensively, defensively, both? Either I mean, I know for me. I don't trust Purdue at this point. Um, I really loved what I saw last week on offense. But again, I loved what I saw on offense against Illinois. And what did we see after that Illinois game? You know, nothing good uh, until we got to the Minnesota game. So they've done it twice now. Are there similarities in those game plans that they can take and build upon? Or are those two just aberrations 
and the rest of the season is a better look at what the Purdue offense is. I yeah. don't I don't have an answer for that, but I don't really feel good about what the team can do. They've, you know, you and I have mentioned numerous times that we're homers, we wear our black and gold glasses and we we always try to find a positive. And then they've given me just enough to pull me back in and make me believe that it's possible to get five and seven uh, on the season. I right. don't, I honestly, you know, we make our picks here momentarily. I don't, I have not made a decision on what I'm going to do, um, mm-hmm. even as I'm talking right now. So I, I don't know. Do you feel the same way as I do here? I do, but here's what I'm going to say that actually may sway you. Okay, good. And I know you mentioned, you know, there has not been an offensive performance that has been well between the Illinois and the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Now, what I'm going to come back with is look at who Purdue played in those four weeks. They played at Iowa, who has one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. They scored 14 on Iowa. So that's, you know, scoring double digits on Iowa is actually a difficult thing to do, apparently. True. Then you play Ohio State, the number three team in the country. You know, you score seven, and it's you get your blo- our doors blown off. It happens. It's Ohio State. You go to Nebraska. This is the disappointing one. Mm-hmm. I understand you had two weeks of prep, but Nebraska actually has a very good defense this year. And then you play at Michigan. So three games on the road against top defenses in those three away games, Ohio State at home, and as we said, against Michigan, that's the highest point total they have allowed right. all season. Right. Um, just short of what Penn State did last week. So, I mean, your Purdue, you score 13, and then Penn State can only put up 15 on uh, Michigan. That, that speaks some volumes. So once you get through that four-game gauntlet of defenses, you get Minnesota and you put up 49. It's almost like the positive aspects are there. It's just you played some really difficult defenses, and now you play Northwestern, who may not have a bad defense, but it's definitely not on the same level as Iowa and doesn't have the same talent level by far as Ohio State or Michigan. So that definitely gives me um, some hope there. Uh, And if the offense can put up even half of what they did last week against Minnesota, I'm really encouraged because Northwestern's offense hasn't really done too much either. Right, right. Okay, I mean, that was good. That got me a little more excited. Um, So... Are you ready to make a prediction? I think so. I make because I made mine while you were were talking there. You kind of convinced me. Um, so if you're not ready, I'm prepared to go first. I'll let you go first. Okay. I, I do like again. It's it's the Godfather three. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I'm picking <laughs> Purdue. I'm going with the Prince score thirty one twenty one, and I, I just. I want to believe. I'm going now. I'm going X Files. I want to believe in this team. They they've given me just enough to pull me back in, and maybe this will burn me. I'm not certainly not going to put any money on this game, but I'm going to take Purdue thirty-one twenty-one. Okay, all right. 
Um, so much of me just wanted to say, yeah, I made that big, big speech and just go with Northwestern anyway. I mean, you might but, as well. No, I, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, I've been abysmal at these picks this season. <laughs> so, um, it's at this point, like, I'm not going to try and salvage my record just by going against you purposely. I will go Purdue 28, Northwestern 24. Okay, so pretty close. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I don't way, think I don't think it's outrageous. Yeah, Purdue is a three point favorite, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and that that line has moved quite a bit. Um, yeah, it started Northwestern one. Yeah, Northwestern, Northwestern was minus one. Yeah, Northwestern was a one point favorite when the the odds came out, and then now uh, Purdue is a three point favorite. So a lot of money, a lot of movement. Um, maybe someone knows something we don't, but. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to watch this game because I will be on my flight to Hawaii uh, during this time. So we'll have to see if what the Wi-Fi situation is um, on mm-hmm. the plane and whether it whether it actually works or whether they you know just have Wi-Fi and it and it doesn't really do anything for me. So we'll see. Um, if not, I will check once I land in Hawaii. But uh, I'm really looking forward to see what Purdue can do against uh this northwestern team so ryan any final thoughts before we head out um other than just yeah at this point purdue you're playing with house money you're trying to build something for next year i think the players understand that um but you're obviously going to continue to do what's right so you can have a better season next year you're playing for next year and that's okay yep that's fair let's leave it there folks for ryan and myself Boiler up. Hammer down. <laughs>